0: Welcome to Stage Presence. I'm your host Tim Cadney. My guest today is actor Nicholas Dromart. Born in Ottawa, Ontario, Nicholas is a triple threat performer now living in New York. His Broadway credits include Bert in Mary Poppins and Tommy DeVito in Jersey Boys. His touring credits include Fierro and Wicked. In this episode we're going to discuss the acting process from preparing for the audition to opening night. How you doing? (laughs) I'm good. How you doing? I'm good. It's always the opening <laughs> question. I have to start with that or else I, I seem <laughs> impolite. When I had the chance to go onto your website and get prepared for uh, talking to you today, um, I like you know. I went to the bio, and here's the bio: <laughs> Born and raised in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. I grew up dancing and singing from a young age. I moved to New York in 2002 and never looked back. So, let's talk about your story, because like, you know this podcast is happening in Ontario. So, what was your training in acting like before
1: heading to New York? Um, so, I was born in Ottawa, Ontario, and uh, when I was six years old, I saw the Fred Astaire and Ginger movies movie uh, Top Hat so uh from that point on my feet wouldn't stop moving i saw it in my primary school i don't know why our kindergarten class went to like the first graders that's what i seem to remember and we all watched the movie together so from that classroom back to the kindergarten our classroom i i was tab dancing pretending to tap dance and for like a week every day I tap danced in my in the hallways and under my desk, and my teacher finally called my parents and said, uh, "Can you please get into tap class? Because he is driving us crazy." <laughs> <laughs> so I started dance. I started my tap dance training or my dance training when I was six years old. But jazz and ballet was for girls. I couldn't do it. I don't. I didn't want to do it. And then when I was eight, I was like, "Okay, I'll do jazz." But ballet is still for girls. And then when I was nine years old, I'm like, "Okay, I'll do ballet." <laughs> so that's my. Uh, that's my training in dance. I So I started dancing when I was six years old. So for 12 years, I was at a dance studio um, almost every day after school, taking tab jazz and ballet classes. Um, and I got involved in, I was in my choir in school. Like when I was younger too, I would sing in the, the school choir. And when I was 12 years old, I did uh, a community production of Anne of Green Gables. So that was my theater, my first theater experience and I loved it. And when I was 15 years old, I was hired in that same community theater to be uh, Bobby Child in Crazy For You. And so I had never sang by myself in front of anyone before that. So I started taking vocal classes when I was 15 because I had to sing solos. And in front of uh, the Centerpoint Theater in Ottawa has, what, 1,200 seats or 1,000 seats? Yeah. So that's when I started taking uh, vocal singing lessons when I was 16. And uh, that's my training in Canada. Wow. And so
0: the production of Crazy for You was, was community theater, you yeah. said? Yes, it in was. A, in the a the thousand... Company of Musical Theater. Yeah. Wow. In a 1,000-seat mm. theater, which is incredible. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I seemed to, it was big. The Center for One Theater, I'll have to Google it after we get off. I, I think it's like a thousand seats because they do like a lot of concerts there. And, and uh, like I want to go back and put on my show with my wife our cabaret act in that theater. I would love to do it there. That's incredible. And, you know, and I
0: think this is, the, you know, this is kind of um, one of the the possibilities with community theater. I know the community theater group, Burlough Theater Group, we have this space that we use and it's a 500 seat theater and it really kind of determines what you're going to, to kind of put into those spaces. And musicals are always a good bet because they have a big draw. So, um, and so you said you're training up until 16. Now, did you did you do any kind of post-secondary training or theatrical training
1: here, or did that happen in New York? No. Um. Yeah. No. I I was I was going to De La Salle High School, so it was a French, um, performing arts school high school. So that was my my music training. I played the flute and piano. So I was in the music department at the performing arts school. I had my uh, my singing lessons privately and my dance cl- training at the dance studio. So at, when I graduated high school. Eighteen. I, that was my training and I sort of was planning to go to university after that. I got a grant from uh, an arts program to go to University of Ottawa with my flute. I was, uh, wanted to be a concert flautist, but at the same time, I went to New York for a dance competition finals where they had um, auditions for Florida Disney World and as well the Radio City Christmas Spectacular Rockettes. And I was hired by the Rockettes, not to be a Rockette, but to be a singer-dancer in the show. So that was, uh, I put my training on hold, uh, took my university on hold, should I say, and that was uh, 20, 22 years ago. <laughs> So I'll go to university soon when when I have to. Still on hold. They still have your application. I still, yeah, I do. I do. I still have the papers. I still play the flute when I can. You know, I,
0: I guess... What would you say prepared you the most for making that move to New York prior to it? So, I mean, you auditioned for something, but in this training up until about 18 years old, what was the biggest thing
1: that you would say was your preparation for New York? My dancing, the discipline in the dancing, all the hours I put into uh, the dance studio. Uh, you know, when I moved to New York in 2002, there was still a, a big chorus uh, on, in shows and Broadway shows that you had great dancers that could sing. And uh, so if you could dance really well and you could sing and act, then you'd be your it would be easy to hire you because they'd be like, "Great, we can put you in the ensemble, and you can cover the under you can understudy one of the leads or a secondary parts, which is what they need. They need to fill this puzzle. So once they have the the leads, they look at the people that can cover those those roles. So ha- having all that great training, as well as being able to sing and having that theater training from, 1415 15, when I was singing privately, that's really what made me very comfortable in auditioning and, and being comfortable and not intimidated in New York. It's
0: great. I and really like that about the consistency
1: because, you know, I, I think there, there's many times
0: that people will come and watch a show and in somebody who is, taken the time and has really put a lot of work into their craft they make it look easy and people Mm -hmm. are like oh I can just go up and do that so (laughs) but it but you need to have that that strong foundation or else it it does show so yeah I want to dig into the actors process with you so the way I've laid it out is, is getting work kind of preparation audition callbacks And then working, which I see as preparing for the rehearsal, what we do inside the rehearsal room, and then relationship with directors. Let's start with preparing for an audition. So before we dive into the steps, I I really am curious to get other uh, actors insights on this, the audition room, because, you know, I started as an actor and it was so eye opening when I became a director and I was on the other side of the table to actually see what it was like for people to walk into that audition room. And there's the fear and the oh, yeah. nerves and that need for validation. Like, please like me, please like me. And, <laughs> and I, 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 could, I can recognize it because I was it. <laughs> so what would you say is your perception of the audition room? Because, I mean, you've, you've gone from a variety of audition rooms and including the Broadway audition room. So with, like, how do you see that room?
1: It's the same. It's the same room everywhere. New York, uh, Canada, overseas, wherever you are, it's the same audition room. People want to hire you. That's the thing. When you walk into the audition room, you can't, you, all that, what you just said, the, 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 please like me, that desperation, you can't, you can't, first of all, you don't want to show that. (laughs) They can smell that. (laughs) But, uh. They want to hire you when you go into an audition room. It's they're not against you. They're not not—they're on your side They want to be able to hire you because they want their jobs to be easy and to be done So when they when you walk into the room, it's your opportunity as an actor to show uh, To put your best foot forward and to be awesome and to show how awesome you are And even if you don't fit them fit the mold or fit the role perfectly if you show great things in an audition They will remember it for another role They will remember it for other things they cast and they'll be like well, you're not great for this particular role but you know what in two weeks we're doing something else and you'd be perfect for this so um you have to remember every time you go into an audition room wherever you are canada in the states anywhere it's they want to hire you so go in there with uh, be as prepared as you can be learn all the material as so you know it by heart and you'll get the job if if it's meant to be. It's true. And I think you have two
0: opportunities in the room. And I really like the one that you said in terms of they may consider you because you, you give them something, they see something, and they might consider you for some other role. Or you could have the opportunity to change their mind. They'd mm-hmm. be like, you know what? Never saw the character this way. So this could be a new approach to exactly. it. Exactly. So you... You get the audition. What's your preparation? How do you prepare?
1: I try to learn the material as much as I can. So whatever I have to go in for, uh, if they have sides or songs, I just drill that material. So in the room, I hold the sheet, but I don't, am not glued to it. And yes, yeah, you just dive, you do your research. You dive your research, do the research on the character, what the what uh, the role is, what the show's about, and, and go from there so, so that you can be in the audition and be present and show them your 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 best skills without having to worry or be being nervous about oh what's the next line oh what's the song you know the 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 more prepared you are the it's easy then you can go in there and shine
0: I really like what you talked about in terms of research so what would be a role that you have done yourself that you felt you did the most research for in preparation for the audition like you haven't even stepped inside the room yet
1: um, I think for, uh, Tommy DeVito for Jersey Boys was one of the roles I did the most research. So what
0: was that research like for you? What, what sort of things did
1: you do? Because it, it uh, Tommy DeVito is a living person, so there was a lot of things on him that I could research. His character and the show. Uh, I didn't audition for the original production, so I auditioned for the show when it was like three or four years into the run. So there was a lot of, of different actors having played the role and a lot of material out there to be able to study. Uh, performances, background on uh, Tom who Tommy DeVito is, Tommy DeVito is uh, the relationship with all the characters, and the the four seasons so that was a a great show to really be able to learn a lot before going in so you could have all those all that information put into the page into the into the character
0: you know and that's interesting because you know you take somebody like DeVito and and you you mentioned like all these other actors have played it and there's this sort of idea of who this character already is or who this person already is so did you kind of know what that frame was or did you kind of build your own frame before you went into the room and said well this is my interpretation of how DeVito would be
1: within me yeah Exactly. I, that's, that's what I did. What's so great about Des Makinoff, too, as a director is that he doesn't want to copy, uh, have a mold of the, the previous actor. He allows you to bring yourself. So you, you are within, still within the character, but I was able to bring uh, myself into the role. So I had parts of the frame and I added my part of the frame and I filled the frame up with, uh, with myself, with their guidance. And that created what I brought on stage every night. You get inside the in, uh, the audition room.
0: What are those best practices for you? Because we talked about, you know, you have to kind of suppress those nerves, that need for validation. So is there anything that you do particularly inside the audition room that's kind of like a staple for you?
1: Not really. I don't have a, 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 a ritual i'm always excited i i kind of i'm kind of an anomaly i really love auditioning because it's it's you get to act and have fun for for you know five minutes in a room or you get to be somebody else for for a few minutes uh when you audition um so some people hate auditioning <laughs> i'm just like oh no no this is great i can't wait i'm a professional auditioner so yeah you have to you have to take pleasure in that you have to be able to 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 put away aside your nerves, um, yeah, that's 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 the best advice I, can, I have. It's just take a deep breath and be as ready as I can, and be ready to show off. That's what it's about. An audition is about you showing off. It's it, you don't go in there going, oh, I uh, do I fit? D- am I? It's just like here's who I am. Here's what I do if you like it great if you don't that's okay you know it's and that's what you have to remember is that yes you might get some nose but every opportunity to shine in an audition room even if you're not perfect or not getting hired you're able to put a seed in everybody in that room's head going i'm awesome remember me for something else exactly
0: i you know, and I, I can't agree more in terms of mindset, like you need to have that mindset. And yeah. and it goes two ways, like, you know, for you to say, you know, you're nominally that you go into the room being excited. I think you're exactly where you need to be in terms of going into an audition room, because if you're constantly going to be putting that pressure, or that doubt, or mm-hmm. am I right for this? Do they like me? What are they thinking? Um, you're kind of defeating yourself before you walk into the room. Yeah, it was interesting. I, um, uh, it was. I took in a, a Bruce Greenwood came to our acting class when I was in university, and uh, was talking to us about the audition process. And you know, his question came up, and he says, "Look, like I go to auditions and I walk into the room, and there's 25 of me sitting there. <laughs> and then what I do is, is, and he mentally psychs himself up, and he looks and he's like, '20 of you just don't know what you're doing.' Yep. So I just <laughs> remove those 20." The other five, okay, so I think three of you are going to make bad choices, and this one kind of looks a little off, so really it's just me and that guy. Okay, let's do this.
1: <laughs> I, you know, I thought that was going to sound really cocky of me, but yeah, I, that's my process. <laughs> I kind of, in New York, you you, you sign in before you audition, so I, I usually look at everybody who came in for the role, I go, oh no, this guy's bad, oh this, no, I'm way better than this guy. Okay, yeah, no, oh, this is awesome, I'm going to get this role. <laughs> And another thing when you go an audition is you have to remember that they they want to hire somebody. They want to they they if it's not you, it's somebody else. So if you walk into the room with that positive attitude and that that joie de vivre, they're going to see that and go like, "Yes, we want to hire this guy because of what he brought. He he made everybody smile or the the joy and the light he brought in the room. That's what we want in, in with in the cast." So yeah. So the
0: next step of course, you get a call back what's different for you? Like, do you change it up? Or do you just come back in with the exact same thing they saw in the first place? And then, just keep it keep it consistent.
1: Same thing, unless they gave me direction and uh notes to work on or anything. If they say, hey, next time when you come back in, make sure that you have a British accent or uh, uh don't be as you know loving or whatever. If if they give you direction or notes, then do that. If they say, oh, you do your hair differently, or we don't we have no imagination. Can you wear a seventies uh, clothes outfit? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, bring the exact same energy, unless you that you're told to do something different.
0: It would be kind of fun to share some. Uh, uh, audition room stories. So is, is there a, like a really like memorable audition room story that you want to share it could be a nailed it moment it could be a failed it moment
1: okay I'll, I'll share my failed it moment <laughs> <laughs> uh the mystery of Edwin Drood I uh the show was produced on Broadway and I had an audition to go in and audition for the show I had no idea what the show was about I didn't know it was a comedy a musical theater they sent me I didn't have time it was like uh, oh are you free tomorrow there's a last minute audition so I didn't have time to research like I say you should do I didn't I didn't have any research so I get this scene and I go in there and I play it like it's Chekhov shorts like intense intense Irish accent guy and, and they kinda look at me and they go thank you <laughs> and I walk out and then the week later I went and saw the show on Broadway and I was like what the what the (laughs) what what did I do what did I do oh my god I'm I was really embarrassed so yes that's that's my one of my fail failed it auditions (laughs) oh that's that's hilarious and it I I like that so
0: let's dive into the work so you book the show before rehearsals begin what preparation Mm -hmm. do you do so what's what's your preparation before even stepping into rehearsal one
1: Oh, just getting comfortable with the book, the the script, the lines, and uh, having a, a picture of what the character is. Uh, before you walk in, so you can s- kind of say, well, I see him as being this kind of person. You know, usually there's a little synopsis that helps you, t- that says, 35-year-old, uh, just Bobby Child, or let's say, early 30s, uh, still lives with his mom, uh, is insecure and is unhappy. This girl who keeps chasing him and doesn't know he wants to do, uh, be a-, a banker for the rest of his life, is uncertain with his career. So then you're able to take that and go, okay, and keep going and growing from that synopsis and like we said, able to bring your flair to it. So you can bring your backstory even more to be like, well, what was his childhood like? What's what's his dream? What's, he dreams to be a dancer or he wants to be in, in on stage and on Broadway. And so being able to, again, just being fully researched and fully prepared for uh, to be able to go in the room. And when the director says, okay, what do you think this scene is about? You can be like, oh, great. It's, I think it's this. And again, it's a partnership. They want to make the scene and the actors as good as they can be because they want to have reviews that say, oh, the direction was amazing. So when you go in and you're able to work with the director, if, uh, if you have a fantastic director, you can say, what do you think? How do I make this better? And, but if everybody's prepared, everybody's in there to create a, a work of art and, and to, be, to have fun. And then we're playing. That's what it is. We're, we're playing on a stage. We're pretending to be somebody else.
0: I know for Broadway and, and professional theater, the timelines are a lot different than community theater. And, you know, you, you, you have a very short window of time for rehearsals. So for you, is it like complete memorization, books out of hand, rehearsal one, like you want to get in the room and it's like,
1: or do you do you still keep that book with you? Or are you still kind of looking to it? I still like to keep the book with me and, and just to make notes and to, 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 to memorize. For some reason, because English is my second language, re- remembering English scripts and scores is my it's my my kryptonite like give me a kind of uh, choreography and i will have that down you teach me once I'll, i'll never mess it up again but like, it takes me a good two, three weeks to really get comfortable with the speaking, the, the the lines and the, and especially if a show doesn't have choreography. Usually if there's a choreography, I can match the, I can remember the lines based on what the dance I'm doing. But the second I just stand still and you're here and you're there and that's it. I'm like, oh crap, where's the, I need my script. I need my script. And then I <laughs> every night. I just got to practice, practice. And then with the blocking as well. So that's my, uh, that's my process. I just, I need the the script because I, I hate to forget and going, oh, what's my line? And that. Just waste so much time. Yeah, it takes you right out of the moment, and it's it's true. I you know I
0: I, I personally am an actor that really memorizes to the movement. Like I, I kind of feel where I am on the stage, and I'm like, okay, this mm-hmm. is where that line comes in, and it's kind of yep. infused together. So it's 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 true. It's kind of nice to have that go to anchor, that thing that grounds you kind of in the moment in the scene the line would be. So, I mean, you talked about English being your second language and then having to do that memorization. So, or do you have any tips or any best practices that you use for memorizing lines?
1: Just read it. And now there's some wonderful apps uh, that you can get for smartphones that are like line readers. So, you record yourself and you record the other person's answer and for, it knows and like you're able to practice and if you mess up, like it stops and so, yeah, just that's that's luckily my wife is an actress and so I'm able to, to read lines with her even though she gets annoyed. when it, I paraphrase <laughs> phrase a lot because that's how I remember too I'm like that's she's like that's not the word it's you, you said car it's automobile I'm like it's the same thing it's the same mo- it's, <laughs> yes but the author wrote automobile you can't say car <laughs> and especially like uh, Jersey Boys there's so much text and it's so well written that you cannot change the script you cannot paraphrase or use different words to, to you know so it's a lot of shows are so well written you don't want to insult the author and you don't want to miss say what's on the page so that's why I always like to make sure I read it and then just every day just practice 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 with the blocking
0: it's true the repetition is the key and it's 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 tough a um you know for for our group we do that the pantomime and the pantomime you get to kind of you know I always joke that I I finished writing it with Chantel on closing night because I'll still be changing things up and <laughs> but then when you go back into somebody else's work and you're like okay this isn't this yeah. isn't playtime. this isn't me being creative yeah. this
1: is me being <laughs> verbatim And panto, you get to play off the audience too, so then based on that, you get to change or enhance and and make bigger and make them laugh and you see what gets a reaction, you're like, okay, let's push the envelope.
0: (laughs) Inside the rehearsal room, so, um, and this kind of goes a little bit off what we were just talking about in terms of like that play, like how much is that preparation and how much is exploration for you? Like this, the homework that you've done, bringing it into the room to allowing yourself just to kind of be, you know, in the moment and allow things to kind of
1: spontaneously occur. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a bit of both. You bring that preparation and what your ideas are into the room and you kind of put in a blender with what the, the director is telling you and then hit blend, smoothie it, pour it in glass and like then go from there. You know, like that's uh, being able to play and to create. And that's that's what the fun part of it, to be able to discover moments and and your scene partner and having like ideas. And like having someone you trust be like, "Hey, you wanna do you wanna try this? I had this idea of if we were doing this, or and you know, chatting with the director about it. That's that's a lot of fun being able to to add to the creation process of shows and, and scenes. Excellent. And so, I mean, you just talked about the
0: the director. So, you know, I I do feel like one of the most important relationships is that actor director relationship. And then mm-hmm. you know, you've worked with some incredible directors. I mean, you talked mm-hmm. about. It um, does and then there's Joe Mantello and then mm-hmm. um, Sir Richard Eyre. and it's just like you know the, I mean <laughs> yes. it's it's incredible to to have the opportunity to have worked with these directors so yeah I mean talk a little bit about you know maybe your experience of working with these directors
1: and then we'll talk a little bit more you know in general about that relationship mm-hmm I mean, it's 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 been wonderful when I came into Jersey Boys. It was later in the in the show's run So uh, I I didn't really work one-on-one with Des Makinoff I auditioned for him Uh, and then he came three or four times uh, Within the year when I was on tour on Broadway I saw him near the end as well and uh, off-Broadway he came of course when we were recreating the show for a smaller space I saw him two or three times so I I had a wonderful I had I didn't have the chance to be in the room and like for four weeks really delve and see him and his process. It was more like he watched the show, he came, gave notes, says you guys are great, Um and then had some notes uh, with the uh, resident director. And so that process was great. And when there was notes sort or of questions, he was so gracious to be able to have a conversation. And for Mary Poppins this being seeing Sir Richard Eyre, who was just royalty, uh, <laughs> knight, knight Richard Eyre. Um, It was just it's amazing. Um, Yeah, I I, just being able to watch him and the way he relate. And again, such gracious people that are they are contributors and collaborators. And that's what I love and what you need with a director. There are certain directors who take control of everything and don't let you play and they're the directors that I'd only work with once because after that, I don't wanna work with them again because you're not able to play, it it doesn't, it's not fun because you're not collaborating. You're having someone tell you what to do and then you're just fitting a mold or not being an actor, you're being a robot. And so it's it's really important to find and to work with someone who allows you to be yourself and who allows you to creatively bring parts to a, a role you know, you, you talked a little bit about like, what do you see in the scene or like what,
0: you know, what's happening in the scene. So maybe talk a little bit about that first rehearsal table work that uh, you would go
1: through with the director. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the great process is hearing the 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 show for the first time in a room with everybody's, with all the actors. So you're sitting around table or there's three or four tables creating this huge rectangle and you, you sit down and you just, you hear the show and the flow for the first time and it's it's incredible and having the director you know the excitement in a room on the first day of rehearsal is always palpable like you just you go in there and there's this buzz this vibration that everybody is just like they're buzzing because you get hired and you're so excited and so to be able to have an amazing director that's able to let that, that that bring that energy and compiles it everyone everyone's ball of energy and adds himself to it to uh to guide and and to control it is just it's just amazing and that's what the role of the director is 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 casting the show hiring the best people for the role and then to make sure that the show has this life and this this amazingness and so that's what Des did with Des Makinoff did with uh, Jersey Boys is that if you see the show you're like wait the pace is so fast and the scenes are incredible and the way it's written by Rick Ellis and Marshall Brickman, and it's just like it's it's. I think it's the best written musical um, that ever was written. I think it's just perfect. And people say it's a jukebox musical, but I don't agree. It's 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 a show. Yes, it has music from previously written, that it wasn't directly written for the show, but the show is presented in a concert mode. Mamma Mia! is a jukebox musical, yes, because they try to tell the story with the song. So that's why it's like, it doesn't work that well here. And that's not what the song was really about. But Jersey Boys, the way it's written, is how the songs were written, how they were performed. And so it's just so well done.
0: Like, favorite stage moment? Like, I mean, you talked a lot about Jersey Boys, but there's any other that have just been that sort of like a moment for you that you just will never ever forget?
1: Mary Poppins, tab dancing upside down along the proscenium is just something I will, I will, uh oh, just love. Remember my whole life and uh, uh, there's a part in the show. The Broadway production had this incredible set that was assembled. Um, There was two floors that rolled around the stage, rolled back and forth, and the nursery flew in from the, the, the rafters and there's a scene in the show the top at the end of act 1 where you uh, Bert would have to climb would go all the way up and preset himself on the top of the roof up above like as high up as as it could so you were literally like inches from the roof of the building and you would lower yourself slowly before the Oscar winning song of Chim Chimini Chim Chim Cheroo and that moment ever like I would tear I am still getting goosebumps and tears in my eyes because it was so magical and I loved loved that section every night I was just like this is my favorite part of the show I'm laying down and I see and the house lowers and Mary says is that you Bert and we and then I start singing Chim Chimmerney and it's just like "Ah, oh, I love that love that so much <laughs> I don't
0: I can't remember did they have that because I, we, I, we saw you do the role here in Toronto and did, did they have that
1: Yes, and so the touring set. No, the touring set was different. The touring set was like a, a toy, st- a, to- a storybook that opened up so yeah because the house on in the broadway production it was like i don't know how many tons they had to reinforce the floor of the of the new amsterdam theater because it was so heavy but for the touring production to be able to fit it in you know five or six trucks versus having to dismantle a two-ton house every you know, four to five weeks they had this smaller version that opened up like a storybook so burke became more of a storyteller uh physically by opening the house i would actually like pull on the front of the house and then the kitchen would appear uh So sadly for the tour, I had to climb a little ladder and preset behind a curtain that would just rise up and reveal me versus flying in from the ceiling. I still tap dance upside down, uh, up and down the, the proscenium, which was incredible and magical as well. But not that moment, sadly.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm sure a lot of actors uh, out there are wondering, like, the process of you being given a role and saying, okay, in this role, you're going to walk up the side of the proscenium, and then you're going to walk upside down. So, I mean, that's, to some, that would be a whole new definition of stage fright. But, (laughs) um, so, like, like how how was that first experience of being harnessed in and and
1: doing that? Yeah, it's just that's it's just that it's essentially like how's the harness feel is it comfortable good uh, and then instead of the first thing you do is you get uh there's a platform uh, in the wings that is uh, hooked up so you can climb on a ladder and hook yourself in and practice tap dancing upside down or f- seeing how the harness uh, feels when you're flipping versus on the stage 100 feet up there you know from the floor, from the ground so that's when you first practice and you see how it feels how see how you tap dance and then you make adjustments from there and then after that uh, you know a couple times you're upside down in the wings they're like okay great now we have the tech let's try it from here and it's just trial and error you go up the side you see how it feels you're like okay my balance is off um, I should not eat a big burrito from Chipotle before doing this because I'm gonna barf. So, note to self: don't do that. <laughs> um, and and that's it. And then you figure out the the nice point of balance and upside down. It's it's so quick that you don't you don't remember being upside down, especially because your feet are touching a ground. So you're you're tapping, and you don't you still have contact. So never at one point I'm like I have and i'm i'm afraid of heights like you put me on a balcony on the 20th floor in toronto when those skyscrapers and i'm i don't want to step like i get really scared and nauseous because i the fear of falling out off it scares me but like roller coasters and being harnessed and tab dancing upside down i don't it's totally fine i'm not afraid of those heights
0: yeah it, it would it, yeah it would probably give me a little bit of the the jitters like i'm good in this right i'm good in this <laughs> 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 Yeah.
1: Well, there's so many straps, so you you like test, and there's there's three people that that strap you in, clip you in, and there's another person that checks, and then I check as well, and then there's there's fool foolproof systems that it can't go wrong. <laughs> at least at least that's what I told myself. <laughs>
0: well, and that's you know what, and I and I, I I love. The- the places that theater is going, you know, you know, you have, you have Bert dancing, tap dancing upside down. Yeah. You know, and Mm -hmm. the short lived run of the the Spider-Man musical, you had them swinging (laughs) over the audience and stuff. And it's, but it's, you know, it's like, I think, you know, theater needs to constantly break boundaries and kind of Mm -hmm. do these, you know, like mesmerizing things because we're, we're, you know, I I guess in some ways, we're competing with these big blockbuster films, right. You know, every second movie is a Marvel superhero, great CG, so the, the audience expectation of visuals have, have gone up in their mm-hmm. mind.
1: True, but then you have amazing musicals like Come From Away that doesn't need any like mm-hmm. people flying on the audience or juggling while singing a high C while unicycling and backflipping from a platform and roller skating. Like it's the storytelling is, is so well done. And Jersey Boys too, I mean, uh, the music is the star. So yeah. like having, being able to, to have an amazing music and piece of, of theater that tells a great story doesn't always require the the you're uh, competing with Cirque du today, right? <laughs> Which is a spectacle. and seeing O in Vegas, it's amazing. But uh, being able to also be in an intimate theater, and, you know, have a play like, uh, you know, seeing Liam Neeson and uh, The Crucible, you're able to, to appreciate that as much as having people swing in Spider-Man over your head.
0: Well, and, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Come From Away, what I really liked about what ended up in their final production, we, we got the opportunity to see it when it was like a 45-minute rendition of it at Sheridan College. And so they did it um, with the musical theater students at Sheridan, and and the, the part where they're, they have all those chairs set up as the planes, and then there's like the the flashlights for the lights yeah that was from that little 45-minute production that got carried all the way through there just like <laughs> we love the simplicity we love the effectiveness of this so smart and it it got yep. retained into the show so it's it isn't inc- and this was in like a, a studio like a dance studio where they just brought out chairs and created a few little bits of lighting and there was one accompanist on the piano to kind of do the song and you just you, we, we were captivated by this 45-minute uh. show that has turned out to be one of the, the biggest shows out there right uh. now so
1: that's, it's one of my favorite shows. And I I hope I get to be in that show. Like once I am in that show, once I can retire, uh, that's, I've, I'm pretty happy with my career. And I just want to be in Come From Away, wherever on tour on Broadway for six months playing uh, one of the roles I can play. And then I'll be like, okay, I'm good. I'll just retire. I'm good. <laughs>
0: I love that show. So, any other any other bucket list shows for you? They come from the way you talked about being an '80s rocker. Anything out there that you're just like, Ur?
1: oh yeah? Well, you know, I was hired to beat Stacy Jacks, and then the pandemic hit, so I couldn't couldn't play. Really, that. <laughs> so sad. But yes, yeah, Stacy Jackson in Rock of Ages, just to be silly and wear eyeliner and a wig and just sing, you know, uh, just sing those Bon Jovi songs. God, that'd be awesome. Getting paid to. <laughs> <laughs> to do that show is awesome. Uh, my friend Yvonne played uh, played um, was in the show in, in Toronto. Uh, not Stacy Jacks, he played the 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 lead role. Um, oh Wolfgang.
0: Yes, Wolfgang
1: yeah. von Colt. Uh, he was so awesome yeah. and I loved seeing that show. I had a lot of friends in that in that cast in New York. Um and while my legs are still able to, to do it, I'd love to, to uh, play Bobby Child in Crazy For You. I might be getting a little too old to play that role, but uh, since I did it in musical theater and uh, community theater, I'd love to, to tie the circle and say, and I did it professionally, and that's good. And um, playing Ted Hanover in, uh, in um, Holiday Inn, doing that tap solo the, 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 with the fireworks, the firecrackers. Those are three bucket list roles and of course come from away. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, it
0: might not be you know sort of your focus but like anything original like a, do you do you kind of see yourself creating shows like writing or composing or
1: no i don't i mean my wife and i have this uh, fun cabaret act called superheroes in love which is a uh, kind of autobiographical story of how we met and how we fell in love and how we're superheroes you know putting different outfits on and flying all over the city from audition to parenting to uh, doing your side job or whatever so um but it's it's based on, it's music pop music and musical theater songs and our little story so it's it's fun that's basically our creation um, but I'm I'm getting to the point where I'm like yeah there's certain things I'd like to explore with creating I mean yeah I'd love to create something original that's every actor's dream to be able to say I was the one that created the handprint of what the show is but um, yeah nowadays it's it's very there is so many the, the, there's not a lot of triple threat, you know, song and dance man. I feel like I was born a little too late. The song and dance man role of the Gene Kelly era is like 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> there's not a lot of, of shows. They're like, hey, let's have a, a leading man that tap dances, sings, and uh, I mean, well, Mary Poppins. But uh, you know, aside from that, um, sh- I should write something. You're right. You're absolutely right. I'm gonna write that on my bucket list, on my things to do. <laughs> write a musical about leading man tap dancing great oh and and playing the flute there we go nobody else will be able to do it (laughs) they'll have one guy available me
0: (laughs) do you have any um any upcoming shows for superheroes in love
1: yes yes the 13th of february our superheroes in love valentine special 8 p.m uh eastern uh is our show so we're uh we're in the process of creating it right now and we're going to start recording songs and uh, I bought a brand new uh nice DSLR video camera. So the uh, upping the game and the quality. <laughs>
0: Can't wait. Yeah, we, we've we enjoyed them. They've been they've been great entertainment, especially oh, during the lockdown. I know it. you kept it going even when yeah. you were out west. So yeah, thank you for
1: keeping oh, entertainment alive it keeps our it keeps our sanity and honestly we were, we were only thing of doing it once like in uh, we were supposed to do our show at 54 below which is a, a cabaret space in new york great little stage we would have had a, a small band and like there's 120 people 140 people that can sit in there and watch and then the pandemic and we're like well let's just do it live from our living room and we were thinking okay we'll sell tickets and we'll do it once but the response was so <clears throat> was so amazing we've done one almost every month once we had one in april we had one at the end of may we had one in august october the big holiday we did a free one for new year's eve just to to do a short one and then now we, we're just keeping planning cuz people love it and we're getting better and better at the editing and the uh, we got a green screen and, <laughs> and our daughter dances too in it and she steals the show the 2 year old steals the show <laughs> Always, always, so, at least, yeah, yeah, don't get a pet if you
0: could throw a pet in there, you're done,
1: oh, no, no, the the dog's making an appearance too. we we have two dogs, oh, yeah, yeah, the
0: dogs okay, you're it's yeah, you you guys are are ensemble, yeah,
1: that's it, yep, absolutely, we are the supporting roles? well, and you know, it, you know, it's interesting what you said
0: because you know you, you had this great cabaret show with with you and your wife set to be at a stage. A, in and and a great cabaret space in New York, mm-hmm. and like the limited amount of people that would have been able to see it, and now mm-hmm. just to think about the expanse, and it, it it's kind mm-hmm. of interesting now. I think we've we've entered into a new era where I think virtual entertainment is not going to leave us. You know, yeah. I, The last thing I just watched was the um, Ratatouille, the the TikTok music. TikTok, yeah. How was that? Yeah it was it was incredible it yeah. was incredible but, but what made it incredible was how it came to be and yeah. it was one guy created the finale song put it out on tiktok and all these other creators came together and wrote their song for it and then it got lumped together and like you know you have you know wayne brady singing your song on tiktok <laughs> and and making this musical happen and um and and what i think is so great about what you're doing with superheroes in love is uh it, it kind of is keeping it like archived and out there and and you know people can go back and see it and you have something to show for it rather than you know and we want to i think we want to have that blend between that live entertainment that virtual entertainment and so and one of the things i didn't get to to kind of ask you a bit about because we're still in this lockdown we're still having to kind of put ourselves out there to get work so have you had to do kind of virtual auditions and has there been any kind of change up for you now that you're kind of auditioning on tape rather than in that room where you kind of get to have that full your full self, that full energy and excitement live and present. Yeah,
1: that's the th- it. It's really hard to, to audition for things on tape like I've I've gotten cast once uh, on tape from uh, for musical theater because I love bringing my energy. I love my being able to in, go in that room and, and make eye contact with with, the, with casting people, with the director and show my show who I am and so forth. You you have five seconds of introducing yourself before the material, and so it's it's hard <laughs> to audition on tape. Uh, I've had a few auditions for uh, TV shows where I've put myself on tape with scenes. It's 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 hard. It's hard right now. It's really depressing, and we're not out of this. And live theater is not going to come back for a very long time. And when it does, it's it's going to be small shows with small casts, mm-hmm. uh, except for Hamilton. <laughs> yeah, <well. laughs> and yeah. Yeah. So it's it's you just you have to uh, keep positive attitude, but you do have to create your own work. You have to we have to stay sane and perform and um, and see where the future takes us. But having a backup plan or having being able to stay creatively fulfilled while this intermission is happening, you, it's it's for your sanity and for your for your mental health. I agree. You got to do it. So yeah. To kind of
0: finish things off, is there um, like one. Like, what is that one piece of advice you want to give emerging actors or community theater actors out there, you know, about to
1: kind of venture into their next audition room or into their next show? Um, my my piece of advice I give in every masterclass, every time I'm interviewed, uh, I tell emerging or young artists to learn everything that you can right now. You if if you're still living with your parents, if you're under 18 and you're at home and you're able to ask mom and dad to pay for dance classes, guitar classes, flute, piano, learn everything you can right now while you have no responsibility, while you don't have to, you know, have share your time by working, you know, paying your bills and having to work and instead of you're if you're able to be at home and learn as many skills as you can, the more tools you have in your toolbox, the more jobs you'll be able to do because if they're hiring a show where they want someone that can sing, dance and act and play guitar and you're not that good a guitar player and the next guy comes in and he can play the guitar really well, you'll be like, crap, why didn't I learn the guitar better? I wish I played the guitar more than the flute because the notebook shows cast with the flute, so why didn't I learn guitar when I was 10 years old, mom? But that's the thing you know like the the more skills you have the more uh the more you're able if you can do a cockney accent great add that to your resume and you practice that so that when there is a role that comes up where they want someone that can do a cockney accent you're going to be the best one and they'll be like we have to hire this person the more skills you have the more hireable you are
0: you know uh, you know the hope is right now that, that this is what artists are spending the time that we've been given because you know we're never going to have this time back and and so the more that we can kind of utilize it to kind of improve ourselves and Mm -hmm. and improve our 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 skills the the better
1: we will become that that opportunity Mm -hmm. if you watch my first superheroes in love compared to my last one the editing the drone shots the like it's (laughs) it's evolved and that's what you have to do as an actor you've got to keep evolving and keep adding to your skills and keep learning new things because there are so many People chomping at the bits that are right behind you, going, "Well, I'm, I'm, I've got all my tap training that you might have forgotten, or whatever." It's you got to keep your skills up and keep them sharp.
0: Well, I, I can't thank you enough for being here today and taking the time to talk to us, and um, you've shared some amazing insight and some some great stories. Because I'm I'm pretty sure a lot of the times people are wondering, like, "What is it like being at Broadway? What is it like behind the scenes?" And um, it's kind of nice to kind of see, you know, you can start right here, homegrown, and and anything can happen if you kind of work hard and be consistent. And uh, again, Nick, thank you so much for being here. Stay safe, stay well. And um, please send me the link to the next upcoming Superheroes in Love. We're going to share it with the group. And uh, yeah, can't wait. Absolutely. Thanks, Tim. Well, that's our show. Thank you so much for listening. Once again, I want to thank Nicholas for being here and sharing his insight into the acting process of course in the show notes I'm going to add a link to his upcoming show of superheroes in love you have to see it so please check it out it's going to be done virtually and you can catch it live on YouTube also I need to thank David Newberry whose song Coyote is our intro and outro song so once again thank you David Newberry of course this podcast is made possible with the generous support of the Oakville Arts Council as well as the Oakville Cultural Grant and as always for more information on us go to www. Dot B-O-T-G dot C-A. Thank you so much for listening. Be safe and stay well.